This is a podcast from 3RRR, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Starship Zero G, science fiction, fantasy and historical radio for episode number 1180 entitled, what should we call it today? He says, pretending that he's just making this up off the top of his head, Lost in Cyberspace. A podcast title is Jupiter 2. I always love it when we get something with Jupiter in it. Uh, I'm Rob Jan. And Megan McHugh. And here we are with lots of genre goodness for you. Just letting you know that uh, the Star Trek Discovery Season 2, which has been confirmed, probably won't actually hit the the downloads until about 2019 at this stage and that's understandable they've Hmm. spent time to do these things and we have heard that an actor called Anson Mount is going to play Captain Pike of the USS Enterprise Uh, and this is um, an actor who has played Black Bolt in Marvel's Inhuman TV series so at least he can now speak without taking out six decks and a nearby planet because Black Bolt has that awesome power Uh, he's also played a role in the DC universe as as well in Smallville and in the Western series Hell on Wheels. And Christopher Pike's quite an important role in Star Trek history. Mm-hmm. Uh, all they've also um, netted uh, comedian Tig Notaro, and she's going yeah. to appear as chief engineer of the starship USS Hiawatha. Cool. Which I have heard pronounced in all sorts of ways since they announced that. Uh, okay. So, yeah, 2019 Star Trek Discovery Season 2. Great. And as we all know, Avengers Infinity Wars premieres next week on Anzac Day. Yes, fast approaching. Uh, It's also in IMAX as well as regular cinemas. I've got a book for both. (laughs) Of course you have. (laughs) Um, The merchandise has dropped. Yes. Um, First thoughts? uh, Well, you know, it's all the standard stuff, the Lego sets, the... The Hasbro Titan um, limited action figures, the Marvel Legends set, you know, the builder figure ones sort of things, mm-hmm. some smaller figures, and, yeah, there'll be hot toys. The the one big difference is um, you can get an Infinity Gauntlet. You can get, like, a deluxe one. Oh, right, nice. Or, or you can get just a cheaper one and you get the stones from the action figure sets and you can, you know, weaponize it up with I the Infinity see, stones. I see, by purchasing more yes. toys, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Although I do like that um, at the same time they've actually finally bought out a uh, an action figure set with Black Widow and her motorcycle oh, at last. Yes, she it's only been, her... what, ten movies or something? <laughs> yes, and it has been kind of like that because I'm just finishing off my Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, Road to Infinity War challenge, yes. which is to watch uh, an MCU movie. Um, I've, we've got to re-watch uh, Thor Ragnarok this week mm-hmm. uh, and maybe if Black Panther is still playing I might actually be able to get to the cinema on the weekend and see that as the final, you know, re- rewatch that. And this is like, this is crazy. It's like 18 movies. It's insane, <laughs> isn't it? And it's like, oh my God. You know, we're at, we're at um, I think Bond is at like 
20 or 21, something like that. And that's over years, and decades. None, yes, and none of those are as... Uh, Integrate, integrated as these MCU movies are with television series that also plug into them. Exactly. Although I must admit I am actually behind on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. I ran into actually this is a, a 21st century problem. I assumed it would be on one of the streaming services when I wanted it to be. <laughs> it was not. Yes, you can't take that for granted these days. Yeah, so I was a bit of a, a bit of a worry actually that that happened to me. But, you know, <laughs> anyway, sail on. Um, and there's been some things that I've noticed as I've been watching all of the movies. Mm. Uh, you know, there is that there is that tendency to have uh, villains who uh, reflect the powers of the hero. Yeah, right, like a mirror image type of yeah. thing, dark and, like dark and light, shadow. Yeah, but bad, yeah. yeah and okay. I'm thinking... And and, and, and and that can be a bit of a problem. It's not everyone, though, I, yeah. I noticed. But there are enough of that so that it becomes a kind of a trope. Yeah. Uh, and depending on where where you are. But you may not like that. You may find that it becomes a cliche after yeah. 18 movies. Yeah, once, you know, sort of the last couple of times you go, oh, is this a bit too familiar? Yeah. But, I mean, that's a basic observation that any casual viewer can make. But I, I find it kind of interesting to unpack. Um, the strongest facet is that it allows the protagonist to directly question and examine their own choices mm. uh, as they get to see what happens if I turn bad. Yep, or if I had done something different when I reached that fork in the path, mm. say. Uh, and uh, there's, for some reason I'm thinking of the, uh, of the good place there, a fork in the path. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, but also Tony Stark in particular experiences not only that, but in most of the movies he's got a prominent role in as opposed to just a walk-on cameo. Mm. Uh, he or his father, Howard, are also directly responsible for kick-starting or inspiring the careers of the enemies. The villainy of some type, yeah. Yeah, like Stain, Whiplash, the Mandarin, uh, he's doing air quotes there, Ultron, the Sokovian Accords, and to some extent the Tesseract Loki Battle of New York can all be traced back to Howard Stark or Tony. Yeah, right. You know, so... But there are mirrored pairs, like there's Thor and Loki, yep. although Loki doesn't get the hammer. Uh, Thor and Hela, his sister, mm-hmm. uh, Captain America and the Red Skull. Uh, and I'm wondering, uh, last we saw the Red Skull was in Captain America First Avengers. He was beamed off into space, yes. p- portaled off into space, we, I'm assuming, because it could go either way. He might have just dissolved into redness, you know, <laughs> a red mist. As you do. But I'm wondering if he'll come back at some stage. If he does, it probably won't be Hugo Weaving playing him. Um, Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. Another mirrored pair is Hulk and the Abomination. Ant-Man and Yellow Jacket. Uh, Doctor Strange and Kaiselius uh, and the Black Panther and Killmonger. And this last one, it's a bit of a stretch, um, Peter Quill and his dad, Ego. Um, and, I know. can see... Yeah. yeah, it's a bit of a it's, stretch. Mm. Then, of course, there's the whole meta arc of good shield reflected by bad Hydra. Uh, and you could also argue that both of the Avengers movies seen so far, plus Civil War, also contain self-reflecting antagonists as both Loki, Ultron and Zemo want to turn the Avengers against themselves. Yes. So, you know, this is something that I, I was following through these these tropes. I have enjoyed pretty much all of them, some yeah. of them more than others. Have, have any not held up as much as you would have thought or expected on another rewatch at this time? No. Oh, well, yeah, actually, um, everything that I've noticed before about them, I notice again. Mm. Uh, 
But this time around, when I watched Doctor Strange um, for the third time, yep. I couldn't really keep my attention on the magic part of it. You know really? me. Really? Yeah, well, you know me and magic and sorcery. It just, it just isn't there for me as much as it could be. Mm. I want my science and... <laughs> Uh, but anyway, um, the rest of them all. Nothing wrong with the um, the the performances and the um, and the special effects and and the yeah. actual turning magical battles into ones that were interesting. I thought. Yeah, I thought they did that really well. The visuals I thought were pretty spectacular. Yeah, yeah. But I guess you like the tech stuff more. Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm kind of ambivalent there because we all know that it's all kind of a tech in the Marvel universe. Yeah. Sort of, but you know, doesn't matter. Uh, I can't wait, actually wait for him to meet Tony Stark in the Infinity War because <laughs> you know, science and magic. Oh, there's just going to be so much going on in that film. I'm keen to see how it's handled. Well, in the films, because there's like two. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and you know, everybody's all. I'm. I'm worried that they're going to kill off Tony. Uh, <laughs> my partner Gail is worried that they're going to kill off Cap, mm. and all of these people. You know, even Thor. He, um, Chris Hemsworth's uh, contract is in play. Mm, mm. So, you know. Yeah. No, I know. They're all up for grabs. They're all up for grabs. They could so. all die. I'm hoping that um, Tony Stark will end up going off with the Guardians of the Galaxy for a space vacation. Oh, yeah. As he does in the comics. So I think someone will probably die. Hawkeye. No, I knew you were going <laughs> to say that. I knew you were going to throw him out to sea. Poor Clint. Uh, I reckon, yeah, I, I think we should expect for some... But we can say with fairly confidence that, that the Black Widow probably won't die. Well, she's got... She's, she's got a uh, movie. standalone coming. Yeah. So. So, yeah. Anyway. Uh, could be flashback, though. It could be flashback. We don't know. Hi, this is Corey McAbee from Stingray Sam and the American Astronaut, and you're listening to Zero G on 3 R FM. He does the things that folks don't do that need to be done. Wow. Okay, and we are back, Rob Jan. And Megan McHugh. With a look at Ready Player One. Mm, <laughs> yes, a film that has been talked about and I'm intrigued by but have not seen, so I'm very, very keen to hear your thoughts. It's very expensively done too. It's like in the 170 mil. Well, because Spielberg usually does do small indies with a tiny budget. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that, um, that reminds me, Steven Spielberg has done many, many science fiction films mm. uh, and I'll unpack that in a second and a lot from that list we mentioned um yeah yeah of the, 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 the top hundred was it yeah yeah I think we covered right. off I'm sure he's got more than a couple oh, more there. than a couple so uh okay it's um a brand new science fiction film and I found it reasonably entertaining mm-hmm. uh, which is amusing since I generally do not like VR gaming stories yes uh, and the same with dream-based stories for reasons which I find are probably fairly legitimate for me. <laughs> um, I'd rather be doing those things. I'd rather be having a kip or I'd rather be playing a game exactly. than reading or watching them, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, it's. I think it's actually mostly harmless, this film. Yeah. It's not going to rock your world, but it's, it's not going to take away too much. I actually saw it the ideal circumstances, a very rainy day. Yep. Uh, it was a Saturday Avo, mm. and I thought, yeah, this is, I'm up for this. Had your snacks. Yeah. Yeah. Look, it's got those genuine little guy versus the fake corporate system tropes. Yep. And even I didn't place all the 
geekster eggs mm-hmm. in it. Um, although I had to chuckle at some of the Arthurian ones um, and uh, a good chunk of the film, TV and comic book gags and even some of the more popular gaming ones. Wow. Like if you see a squad of Halo troopers, yeah. even I – because like the armour, I know the – Exactly, the, the <laughs> helmet and yeah, so forth. Yeah, yeah. Um, look, I can't say I go and see it again. Yeah. Um, Would you recommend it? Under certain circumstances. Mm. Uh, if you're just wanting for uh, an afternoon's entertainment yep. for a couple of hours um, that doesn't involve Keiju and um, The Rock, <laughs> <laughs> this is the film. Actually, there, I think there are some Keiju. There are Keiju in this. Of course ah, there are. Yeah, of course. Um, I actually would buy the DVD just to freeze frame it. Yeah, right, to try and pluck out because it's riddled with cultural references, isn't it? It's oh, really just it's, a pop culture pastiche. It, it's You know how Tarantino does that? This is like... This is like beyond Tarantino for, for obvious Easter eggs. But I suppose with Tarantino it's more he has a style that he embodies, whereas yes. this is a mishmash of throwback, like callbacks, yeah. right? Yeah, this yeah. Is, is basically all callback. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, look, and they might have tried a bit harder to contrast their real life actors yeah. with their avatars. Now, the avatars to me was what put me off a little in the trailer. How did the avatars hold up? Yeah, fine. You, you buy into that because it's the game that they, they produce mm. in it. Uh, I, I would have liked a bit more contrast there, though, just to screw around a little with the stereotypes, you yeah. know. Um, Spielberg, of course, has done, uh, let's start with Close Encounters of the Third Kind in 1977, through to Jurassic Park and its sequel, The Lost World. Um, when he finished off the Kubrick Project AI in 2001, Minority Report in 2002, War of the Worlds t- 2005, Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull, which actually is a science fiction movie. Mm. Maybe not a very good one, but no. still. <laughs> Forgettable. <laughs> yeah. And that's before we even get to the science fiction movies and television shows that he's produced. Yes. He's big into that too, isn't he? So this is uh, this one's um, based on a, a, a 2011 novel by Ernest Klein. A cult favourite, you probably favorite. would say, yeah. It's 600 pages long and I have not read it to prepare for today. Well, see, this is the thing. I've had that book for a really long time on my shelf ah. and people have sort of recommended it to me as being quite on my alley and I knew it was kind of book of the moment for a time. Yeah. And it is really readable, I imagine. Like I've had a flip through it and I think you probably blazed is it that more gaming? quickly. No, I think from my understanding, it's I had got the impression that it was a lot of 80s retro references, ah. which of course is a large component of retro gaming. Hmm. Um, but I probably will read it because I do have a copy. So maybe that's something we can, I can just do a little hmm. bit on it yeah. in the future. And then we can sort of see, well, from our separate perspectives, <laughs> uh, whether or not they match up. Yeah. Uh, okay. He, um, this Ernest Klein also, he is just a fanboy. In fact, he wrote the, um, the film Fanboys in oh. 2009. He did a, um, a Red versus Blue episode. That's one of those... Um, um, I can't pronounce this, uh, Mechima, Machinima, Machinima, um, uh, Halo sort of, um... Yeah, sure. ...mashups. Uh, and also Mystery Science Theatre 3000 and now this. And, of course, the, the novel's been a big success and everything. He's, um, teamed up with Zach Penn, um, who's an American screenwriter who wrote, uh, X2 and X-Men The Last Stand. So some pretty serious okay, so credits one- there. Better and, than the other. And the, sh- and the story for the Avengers. Okay. So, you know, and he also uh, co-created um, Alphas, which is one of the sci-fi network's um, yeah. superhero ones, and directed a documentary, and I thought this was really key, uh, about Atari. Oh, yeah, yeah, from, yeah. 
So they, they, you feel that like this um, munging together of, uh, yeah. of, of fan people here, especially Spielberg as well. At the helm. Who's created a lot of this stuff along the way. I mean, I can see why they seem like the right team to tackle the mm, book, turning yeah. the book to movie. And because it's, it's basically uh, young adults as well, you know, this is Spielberg's turf. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in 2045, um, the world is uh, quite degraded. People have given up on trying to solve problems and have, uh, basically settle down to survive them. Mm. And when you're doing that, you want entertainment and virtual reality does that. There is the oasis, the <gasps> takes deep breath here, the ontologically anthropocentric sensory immersive simulation, the oasis. They've backfilled that acronym. <laughs> no. <laughs> doesn't come naturally, but sure, appreciate no. that. Uh, it's basically like Super Sims, Minecraft, mm. every game you've ever played. So what everybody, all these sort of anti-VR people's worst nightmare. Yes, absolutely there. <laughs> and there's a little bit, they do actually explore that a little bit within yeah. in But the that's film. not their main directive, I don't think, of this film, is it? No, it's not. It's basically to do a gaming movie yeah. that's just full of Easter eggs for every game that's gone before, plus 80s, 90s, 70s and 21st century cultural, pop culture mm. sort of call-outs. In fact, you know how you have Lego movies? Yeah. If you did this as a pop vinyl movie, it would work terrifically. Wow. <laughs> Except, of course, with pop vinyls, it's hard to tell some of the characters apart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they should put mouths on them or something. It's just, they're just the this, eyes. I know. It doesn't work. Anyway, uh, it's um, essentially the uh, the creator of this world, James Halliday, is dying mm -hmm. and has died at the start of this film. Yep. Basically, he is going to hand over ownership mm and management of Oasis to whoever can find free keys yeah. within the game space. I see, I see. So so it's on. Gaming for actual reward. What movie, does, <laughs> what does this remind you of? Willy Wonka. Oh. Yeah, the golden ticket. So we're, we're right there in that kind of space. But they didn't work for those golden tickets. Uh, no, not really. <laughs> no, they just had to be morally upright people. Yeah. <laughs> in this case, that's not necessarily a given. Um, we've got Ty Sheridan playing Parseval. That's one of the Arthurian ref references. Of course, Parseval is a grail knight who went to find the whole Holy Grail. Of course. Uh, he... Um, we know him from Ty Sheridan from Cyclops being uh, in X-Men Apocalypse and so on. Oh, that guy. Yeah, that guy. I hate that guy. <laughs> Everyone hates Cyclops. <laughs> but he's going to be in the next um, uh, Phoenix movie as well. The oh, just movie. ditch him. <laughs> uh, he's all right actually in this. Um, he does exactly what he's required to do in this. Is he the is, lead character? Um, it's a group. Yeah, right. There's a, there's a clan. Yeah, sure. So, you know, and... He just... It's a very generic energy. Yeah. he's That's he's, awful thing he's, to he's say. generic hero in this. Yeah. Olivia Cook plays uh, another member of the clan. She is the obligatory butt-kicking chick in this. Mm -hmm. um, she's been in a lot of uh, smaller horror movies like uh, um, Ouija board. You know that one? Yeah. Ouija, I think it's called. The Signal... Um, uh, Limehouse Golem, that sort of thing. Again, she is exactly does exactly what you'd expect of her. Uh, I actually like the villain in this one, Ben oh, Me Ben Mendelsohn. I was going to say, I know we've at least got old Mendelsohn in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, of course, is, we know him most from Rogue One recently. Mm. Australian actor, been in everything. He's going to play like a kindly grandfather with a heart of gold. <laughs> well, he's in the Captain Marvel movie, so. Oh, really? Probably playing a villain. Probably playing a villain. <laughs> 
He does it great though. Like he's he's fantastic. Yeah, and actually he's the perfect um, actor to play this. Uh, he is um, part of a. He's the CEO of Innovative Online Industries, right? And now they want to get control of Oasis, of course, because for money, you know, yeah. greed, mm-hmm. power, uh, influence, and all that sort of st- good things. <laughs> so they are actually an interesting trope. They run um, uh, farming. Uh, factories, and I, by that I mean points farming factories, that kind of oh. industrial-scale gaming. Oh. Uh, which happens. Which happens. Yeah. Uh, but they also do a lot of other things too. They've got their f- evil fingers Skynet in the... So yeah, cool. all that sort of stuff, <laughs> Skynet, yeah. Uh, aspirational yeah, yeah. world dominators. <laughs> they're building, they're building. They're building, and they really want Oasis. And that sets up that trope of, um, of corporate... Uh, yeah. Taking over, taking over of um, ex- exploitation of, of cool, funky gamers, yeah, you know, right, versus right. genuine gamers. Yes. So that actually was an interesting trope that they do unpack, and I and I, I, I think um, people kind of miss that. But it, yeah. it, it's taken to where it needs to go. Uh, Simon Pegg is playing a virtual character in this, like he always does. Uh, we've also got. Um, uh, playing Halliday, a guy called Mike Rylance, who's worked with Steven Spielberg before. And I remember him in The Big Friendly Giant and he actually looks like the CGI character from from that. Oh, okay. Because of Uncanny Valley sorts yeah, of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and um, there's a whole bunch of other people who are basically either on the good guy's side or the bad guy's side. It's pretty black and white. Uh, yeah, yeah, pretty pretty much. Um, I also, um, who's that? Uh, f- a character called Finale played by Hannah John... Cayman, a British actress who we know as Dutch from the sci-fi television series Killjoys. Uh, she was also a Dothraki widow. A lot of those around in Game of Thrones. <laughs> so, okay, well, it took them like four years to get all the rights for all of these characters. Yeah, no doubt. For all of the, 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 geeks, the geek characters, uh, the... the, the I can, I can tell you ones that without being um, the Iron Giant, for example. Yep, I've seen that. I've seen think that in the trailer. The, the Halo Troopers. Um, yep. Some, if I, you know, I start, I'll, I'll take the enjoyment out of you. Yeah. So I'm not going to go through all of those. Suffice uh, to say there's plenty to choose from. There's a lot. Yeah. Well, you know, you've seen the DeLorean in the, uh, yeah. the car chase sort yep. of stuff. All right, I'm it's, intrigued. It's all there. Okay. Um, I, I, I don't think this is going to set the world on fire and, of course, obviously they're trying to stop the world from being set on fire by corporate greed in this. <laughs> um, I, it doesn't do anything beyond what you would expect it to do, but it does that quite pleasantly. Yeah. Oh, and this I was actually quite intrigued because I maybe I wasn't as fully engaged with it as I could have been, mm. but I was quite intrigued at the world building and not just the virtual world building, yeah. but what was going on in this, uh, this time. Dystopia. You, yeah, if you have yeah. a look in the background, Spielberg's quite good at that. He did a good job of that in Minority Report as well. You can just see things like, I'm not quite sure what they were, but they seem to be some kind of um, flywheel-powered vehicles like storing energy in the sides of the vehicles. Okay. Um, not a Marty McFly wheel, but <laughs> nevertheless something like something quite complex. Uh, and, you know, just things like the um, mm. the VR suits that they wore, uh, that kind of thing. Detail. Yeah, yeah. And, and the, the idea that, um, that the, these sort of gaming co- kind of factories, farming factories, could actually be quite an evil place to work. Mm-hmm. You know, and they were. There was a there was a whole sort of evil corporation thing going on there with, yeah. you know, you could be an indentured servant basically. And I guess it's the things that we 
you know, all things that we find fun or that are for enjoyment, there's always that kind of darker side of people yeah. trying to make it a yeah. monetary gain. And well, yeah, they, I think they had a, they had a go at in-game spending. Oh yeah, in this well. as well. You know, I look, I really wouldn't be surprised if there wasn't a game based on this coming out. <laughs> yeah, well. You know, I'm not even I'm not even going to look because I got this feeling that there probably is. Anyway, um, Ready Player One. If I had to give it a, a yeah, nah, maybe. Um, look, if you're in the mood for just a, a fairly not empty, but you know, nothing more than the Easter eggs that it is. Like it, it's like one of those pixel creations. If you touch, it'll shatter. Yeah, apart. sure. Um, you probably go, yeah, well, it was okay. Um, uh, you know, Another uh, glowing recommendation. Yeah. Well, from- <laughs> You know, but, but this is the thing. It's not. I think you. it's probably something you're either going to like or not. Yeah. And you, it shows enough of what it is that you'll know already if it's going to be your thing. Look, if you're a certain type of older science fiction fan who's seen it all before mm. and, and absolutely hates callbacks and they did it so much better, you're just going to hate it. Yeah. You know, you're going to wallow in it. it's transparent about what it is. You're I mean, I'm curious. I will say I am curious to watch it. You're still going to see it just so that you can hate it. Yeah, yeah good <laughs> point. So trot along regardless of your reaction. Yeah, if you don't like it, you'll have fun hating it. This is Jack Dan, author of Bad Medicine for Zero G, the science fiction, fantasy, and historical radio show on 3 R FM. Now, scooting straight into Lost in Space, I don't want to go too far into this because I get lost, <laughs> but because uh, basically it's just dropped on Netflix mm-hmm. and there are 10 episodes and it was this weekend, so you might, might not have um, seen it all yet. Or and it's a redo of the classic. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, and it's um, actually quite a complicated uh, backstory on that. And actually, because, I, because I'm not going to go too much, you know, I'll just unpack some of that for you um, or go, go swim out to the wreck and um, pull out some of the... <laughs> The flotsam, jetsam and oh lagen that's in the, <laughs> in the wreck. Um, Robinson Crusoe, Daniel Defoe, 1719. You may be familiar with that. You may have read it on Friday. Whether or not he had a copy of it for you, I don't know. Uh, and that was about uh, one man who was marooned on a, on a, not exactly a desert island, and survived on there. This kind of um, survivalist story goes way, way back in history, uh, but is also, in terms of lost in space, is also quite an, a long-legged um, science fiction trope too. Yeah. Scoot along from Daniel Defoe to jo- Johan Weiss. And this is actually the first one I actually read in this sort of uh, subgenre of marooned people. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Swiss family Robinson. Note the word Robinson there. Uh, and this was first published in 1812 about a Swiss family who were shipwrecked in the East Indies en route to Port Jackson, Australia. Oh. A lot of people got shipwrecked on the way to Australia. <laughs> um, now let's go jump up into the 20th century. There's a film called Robinson Crusoe on Mars, which is uh, a little indie film directed by Byron Haskin, who's got links to the, uh, the then um, important World War of the Worlds film back in the, um, the 50s. And that, again, was about one single uh, astronaut mm. who was on Mars and trying to survive. We've seen that happen more recently in yes, The Martian. exactly. What is it about Martian, about Mars? Uh, there's a gold key comic book in the 1960s that predated the first Lost in Space television series mm-hmm. uh, and it was about the space family Robinson. Now, I put little pictures of these up on the RRR website at rrr.org.au so you can get an idea of the progression of sort of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and this um, 
as I said, predated the Lost in Space television movie. There was some talk about Lost in Space having copied that. Right. Uh, and they resolved that amicably. Erwin Allen is the guy who pr- produced the uh, the Lost in Space television series. It was part of um, four shows that he had, all genre ones, The Time Tunnel, Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea and also Land of the Giants. So all these four television shows were quite successful for yeah. him. Um, almost as successful as some of his big disaster movies that he did later on. Mm. He's the guy behind like um, The Towering Inferno and those sorts of movies. Oh, okay. Uh, and anyway, um, to go back again to that those shows, that's the, the, the one that this new 2018 Netflix series riffs off, mm. um, pulling a lot of the tropes from that. So... This is uh, one that was by um, uh, created by Zach Estrin, who gave us uh, worked on episodes of Prison Break, uh, True Calling, Charmed, and um, also Miracles. And I think he's actually working on uh, another Prison Breaks um, workout that's coming out. It's written by Mark Matt Zazama and Burke Sharpless. Mm-hmm. Uh, who've been working on, and there are a team of American screenwriters who worked on Dracula Untold, The Last Witch Hunter and Gods of Egypt. That doesn't bode well. <laughs> but the first three episodes I've seen actually enjoyed. Yep. Um, the only caveat I have is they're a little bit sloppy in some of their science fiction procedural. Looks really great. Yep. Uh, it's set in 2046. Um, Earth has been threatened by a large celestial object which is going to hit Earth or may actually have hit. I'm a little bit unclear about that. Um, So we've been launching what they call the Jupiter series of ships to go to Alpha Centauri to colonise a new world. Mm. So basically getting the hell out of Dodge. It's quite a competitive process. Uh, Some families are being broken up because not all members of the family get to go. They don't meet the grade. I actually would think that if, um, unless it was exceptional circumstances... Uh, you probably wouldn't send a broken family because they'd be still grieving for the loss of their kid. They'd be less than effective. Yeah. That's my my psychological take on it. They do th- some things in this show um, that did bug me a little, like at, at some stage a couple of characters basically just fall out of an airlock so easily. Ah. I mean, for God's sake, we lock house doors. Yeah. Why wouldn't you have some kind of foolproof mechanism? You would mechanism? think there's a bit of a double barrier on that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of double barriers, there are two doors on an airlock. But anyway, uh, there are some other little bits and pieces that that, that that bug me a little bit, but not too much. Mm-hmm. I sort of get willing to go with their little tropes along the way. Um, one of them was that the the uh, the assumption that um, electronics that are sealed that are, that are sealed against uh, vacuum mm. would also be waterproof. Mm. That's an interesting assumption. Okay. Um, I don't know how that exactly would play out. But since I'm not an expert in that area, well, I'll go with it. Uh, airtight probably means watertight, and but then again, it's a different kind of pressure from a different direction, and I don't know. Anyway, all of that. All that by the wayside, it's about a family in the Jupiter 2 spaceship who are marooned on a planet. You know, that they still haven't got a GPS going in this lost in space. <laughs> Molly Parker plays Maureen Robinson. Um, she's a Canadian actress who we saw in uh, as Alma Garrett in Deadwood. Uh, Toby Stevens plays John Robinson. Now, he is Maureen's Marine. He's actually an ex-Marine Corps soldier in this. Uh, sorry, uh, uh, an ex-Marine, not a soldier, I shouldn't say that. Uh, and he's actually um, Maggie Smith's, Dame Maggie Smith's son, oh. the actor. 
Wow. Uh, we've got all the other usual characters. Dr. Smith is is uh, gender swapped in this. It's uh, Parky, Parker Posey. Yep. I saw something this. about that. Uh, who I swear is um, channeling... Uh, um, Dr. Gillian Holtz, Holtzman from Ghostbusters for part of her role. She's very <laughs> weird, you know, but she doesn't have the tech skills, but she does have some homicidal intent. Um, you know, this is, uh, there's Will Robinson. and I won't go into that because I'll, I'll get to that at some other stage. But anyway, the, um, I think it worked well enough for the 10, epi- for the free episodes I've seen of the, the 10. The intro, yeah. Um, Apart from some of those genre problems, I thought, uh, where they didn't actually make it work properly for me. But that's all right. There were some other parts of it that actually did work quite well. A, a frozen in ice story that I thought, although it lacked quite the pacing it could have had, was a good solid science idea. Yep. Uh, and other things like that. Uh, it's got promise. Um, it reminds me a lot of Earth 2, mm. the 1990s um, uh, family adventure in space marooned on a planet with... Tim Curry playing the bad guy, ha, <laughs> uh, and uh, Clancy Brown as one of the heroes. I really love the fact that now the women in this show, unlike in the 1960s one, are not condemned to space chopping up the space veggies or doing the space washing. Yep, the space chores. Yeah, in agree. fact, they are all the main characters in this film. Great. In this series, so give it a try. Okay. Um, if yeah. you're a Lost in Space fan uh, from the old days, get over it. <laughs> It's yeah. a, this is the same show, thing. but different. It's, yeah. it's new. Uh, have you actually ever seen Lost in Space? I'm guessing I not. I only saw the crappy movie The version. 1990s yeah. one. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. The William Hurt one. Yeah. Uh, okay, anyway. Um, yeah, give it a shot. Cool. You know, right. And it's on Netflix. Hi, I'm George Takei, and I play Admiral Sulu in Star Trek. Welcome aboard the Starship Zero-G. Admiral? Hey, a guy can dream, can't he? <laughs> now we were going to take um, Isle of Dogs for a bit of a walk today, but uh, I think we've run out of time. And we want to do it justice. Yeah, it, it does need it. Does deserve to be talked about it a bit more leisure. Um, so we've got to get our translation right first. <laughs> you know, those exactly. dog, doggy tones. Um, just an impression of it, and don't just go woof. <laughs> <laughs> I was tempted. Um, delightful. I might even see it again ahead of us digging into it next week. Oh, really? That good? Um, because I, I don't know, I, I like Wes Anderson's stuff. I think he did reach a point where he started to be a little bit stale for me mm. and then it came back up again. I think Grand Budapest was great. Um, it was around Moonrise Kingdom that he was a bit stale. But I really enjoyed it. And obviously as someone who has lived in Japan and loves Japan, it was also a very interesting and special experience too. Yeah. Well, I, I, I give it a, out of a hell, you know, out of a yeah, nah, maybe rating, I give it a woof, yeah. Yeah. And, and as everybody's been saying, good boy. Definitely. Good boy. They're not bad dogs at all. No. <laughs> um, and obviously... They, some of them bite. Some of them some of them bite, but they're not bad dogs. I think the animation's great. And I'm a dog lover too. It's just all the things I like in a film, really. It's a stop animated film too, which means it took four years to make. It's incredible. <laughs> like, I think... Yeah, I think it's a, a real delight. Mm. So we'll, we'll probably let, unleash that one next week. And uh, also next week we will have uh, Dr. Rachel Livermore from, um, the, uh, from the University of Melbourne. And she's going to be talking to us about big screen science, which the Cinema Nova is mm. going to be running. 
So they're going to be blending science and also looking at films, uh, Galaxy Quest, Apollo 13, Star Trek 2, and discussing um, the science of those films or the lack thereof. I mean, absolutely not up your alley at all, Rob. I mean, though... <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the uh, these films will be coming up in... Um, April, June and July. So the first one will be Galaxy Quest on April 29th uh, in the afternoon at 3.30 and these are all at the Cinema Nova. Then Apollo 13 in June <laughs> and Star Trek 2 in July. It'd be good to see Star Trek 2 on the big screen I again. I know. It's a good opportunity. Yeah. Uh, and the others too for that matter. Yeah, uh, of course. And that, that actually ties in with what we were talking before about... Um, uh, lost in space and the slightly wobbly things that they, they do have occasionally in these shows. Yeah. Sometimes you forgive it because if it's worked into the narrative in such a way, I tend to be more forgiving mm. if I can say, okay, I can easily see why that's been done and it's working. Other times it just sticks out like a sore thumb yeah. and just takes away from the experience. So, Yeah. Now, where did I see a sore thumb? <laughs> just trying to think. Oh, I'm in a film called Maggie with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh. It's a zombie film and... Um, one of the zombies gets a sore thumb and then eats it. Doesn't have the sore thumb afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, excellent film too, by the way. In case you, what's it called? Uh, Maggie. Maggie. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is in it, and it's a zombie film, and it's actually a, a, a one-story zombie film about him um, nursing his daughter who's been bitten. Ah. Oh. By the zombies, and she's not long for the world. When was this released? Yeah, exactly, exactly. It it came and, and went so quietly, um, but it's actually one of Schwarzenegger's best performances. Wow! Yeah, better than Kindergarten Cop. I don't think so. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I said one off. One off. Good point. Good point. <laughs> you know, but that that kind of eschews the 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 fact that he is, but has been a very uh, physical actor and in action adventure films, and and that ain't nothing. No. You know. Right. Anyway, <laughs> that's about it for today. <laughs> I like that little um, detour that we took there. Hey, there's something I no- did notice about Isle of Dogs. Uh, the little whistle tune in it, mm. it reminds me very much of the Mockingjay notes. Mm, yeah, yeah. But reworked kind of. It was familiar to me but sort of sinister. There's a lot of other stuff in it too, like uh, some st- uh, the Kurosawa uh, soundtracks, um, Seven Samurai mm, and mm. a few things like that. The soundtrack I think was really well suited and it very much in I think it used incorporated those kinds of um Japanese tones of like taiko drumming and things like that. <laughs> yes, as some people have said all of the tourism tropes. <laughs> I did I did hear someone was exiting my cinema and I heard them say, Oh, the soundtrack made me feel a bit unsettled. <laughs> it's I was supposed like, to. Oh, well, I think that was just the vibe. Well, well, well we, we better get out unsettled. Yeah, ourselves. <laughs> Joe Bernatic coming up with Astral Glamour next. <laughs> Thanks, Megan. Thank you, Rob. This has been a podcast from Free Triple R, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.